0: Hi everyone, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really excited to be sharing with you this morning. Happy Mother's Day. A week ago, I just came back from South Korea and it was just an amazing trip. If you didn't know, I got married six months ago and we went to South Korea to visit Jean's grandmother of 90 years old who couldn't make it to the wedding. So it's gonna be my first time meeting here, which was both exciting and fearful at the same time. Because of COVID, there haven't been a lot of opportunities to travel especially halfway across the world. When you're in a foreign country, you just seem so out of place and uncomfortable. You don't speak the language and so it's hard to do the most basic things like ordering food or just getting around. There's so many times that people came up to me speaking Korean and I didn't know how to respond except using hand motions. They looked at me puzzled in my silence and I helplessly had to ask Jean to translate or let them know I didn't speak any Korean. Even though I have a Chinese background, there are differences, with, differences with Korean culture, whether it's greeting people with bowing, using metal chopsticks, and even the way you wait for the bus and subway. You can imagine how I felt as, a, as I was preparing to meet grandma for the first time, who didn't really speak any English and was a matriarch of the family. Jean and her grandmother are relation and close, and I heard so many stories about how she took care of Jean while she was growing up. In Korean culture and most Asian cultures, the family is highly valued. Unlike the individualistic culture of the West, the family comes before the individual. Age also defines a person's place in the family, and so the grandparents' opinion carries the most weight. So not only is Jean very close to her grandmother, her opinion of me mattered, not only for Jean and myself, but for the rest of the family. It was in those moments that I realized that I was an outsider. I was the stranger. I was the other. I was nervous about how she would receive me as a Chinese American. Would she accept me? Will I be welcomed into, into the family by her? So after traveling for over 20 hours, we arrive in Korea. But it took us another hour and a half to get from the airport to her grandmother's house. And so During that time in the car, I was psyching myself up and trying to remember the short phrase Jean taught me to say when I meet her. When we finally get to her grandmother's house and we get to the front door, her grandmother opens the door and gives Jean a big hug. And then she gets to me and then I completely forget the phrase I was supposed to say. I was never good at languages. And she greets me with a smile and we're led to another room. So in Korean culture, the lower that you bow, the more respect you give the other person. And so we had to formally bow to her grandmother to show the utmost respect and to traditionally ask her grandmother for her acceptance of me marrying Jean. So after bowing, her grandmother asked me some questions in Korean about whether I will take care of her granddaughter and how much she loves Jean. I answered nervously in English, and Jean translates, probably making my answer better than it was. She smiles and offers us fruit tea and tells us to drop our luggage off in our in our room. And so when we arrive at the room we're staying at at our house, she apparently had carefully examined all of the blankets and pillowcases to make sure all the threads were in place and in good working order. If there were places that were worn, she sewed them back together. I've never seen or had someone do that for me before. It exceeded my expectations of welcome. On the very first night of our stay, I was helping set the table, you know, making sure I was getting those brownie points. And she was at the head of the table and I put myself toward the end of the table. But when we got ready to sit down, she insisted that I sit next to her. She cooked this amazing dinner for us and got the special chicken for me. And she made this kimchi and soups all from scratch. And the entire time she was watching me like a hawk in every bite that I took. If there was any open space on my plate, she kept insisting that I eat more and more and more. And all of this she was saying in Korean, of course. And she gave me these wooden chopsticks when she saw me struggle with the metal ones. The metal ones are tough. They're very slippery. So even though we had a language and cultural barrier, she made me feel at home and welcomed me. I was an honored guest in her home. Hospitality like this is a lost art. We've grown up being told not to talk to strangers. There's an element of natural fear of engaging with the unknown, especially when it comes to people. We're distrustful of strangers and sometimes we are immediately hostile to them. When we walk around the city, we put our heads down and try not to make eye contact with anyone else. In 2011, a pair of psychologists from the University of Michigan undertook a study to find out which city in America was the meanest. Can you guess which one that was? Of course, it was Boston, right? Technology has also created another alternative to communicating and engaging with others. However, despite the connectivity the internet affords, it's not the same as experiencing real connection. It allows us to keep people at a distance. And so as our world gets more connected online, we're also more isolated interpersonally. The pandemic has only magnified polarization and the fear of the stranger. So just social distancing has become the norm. We had to choose pods of people that we trusted and felt comfortable seeing in person. But it created this dark type of belonging when we developed a small group of friends that share exact belief system, and then we look at disdain with disdain on others on the outside of the circle. And so this increased. Distance with others created fear, suspicion, and exclusion. Other people are seen as a threat to the sameness and security we want to protect. And so today we are wrapping up this important series on friendship. The last couple of weeks we have talked about how Western culture is so rooted in radical individualism, they were living in an epidemic of loneliness. we have a hard time creating space for others, especially those who are different from us or think differently than us. Our individual happiness and convenience takes precedence over anything else. There's fear of others and outsiders disrupting those values. And so we keep people at a distance. But when we find and we look at the way of Jesus, we see radical hospitality you just don't find anywhere else. New Testament professor Joshua Jip noted, The entire ministry of Jesus is appropriately captured in the phrase, divine hospitality to the stranger and sinner. If we just look at Luke's gospels, right? It's full of stories of Jesus eating with people. In Luke five, Jesus eats with a tax collector and sinners at the home of Levi. In Luke seven, Jesus is anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. In Luke 10, Jesus eats in the home of Martha and Mary. In Luke 14, Jesus is at at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor to dinner rather than their friends. In Luke 19, Jesus invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus. When I invite myself over to your house for dinner, I'm just doing what Jesus did. Just FYI, just a reminder on that. But seriously, if you read more in depth of the story of Zacchaeus and these other stories, it was disorienting for people to see Jesus eat with the outcasts of that society. Jesus ate with the outsiders and welcomed those who, are, who most would be fearful of. Meals were not a way to keep people out, but a place to invite people in. Jesus' posture was one of inclusion and embrace. And so if you're able to trace the hospitality of Jesus through a gospel, you would find that hospitality wasn't one of Jesus' strategies. It was the strategy. Author Robert Karras concludes, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. He offers hospitality through wine, water, bread, and foot washing. All through the New Testament, followers of Jesus are commanded to follow his example with the practice of hospitality. We see one of, those, one of those examples in the letter of Hebrews, and this is where we're going to land today. In Hebrews is this letter written to Jewish Christians to stand firm in their faith and to not return to their old way of life. And so we're going to land this morning in Hebrews chapter 13, verses one through two. It says this, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by, doing, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And so we see in verse one, the author exhorts the church to continue to love one another as brothers and sisters. And we've covered that what that type of love looks like in the last couple of weeks. But the author goes on to say that we must extend love from our own circles to others, especially with strangers. Loving our own family and circle of friends is not enough. We must not forget to love those we see as other. If we're being honest with ourselves, there is an undesirable other of whom we are afraid. When we categorize people as other, it has a profound impact on our capacity to love them. It changes our desire for connection and the responsibility we feel toward the stranger. Distance creates fear and fear leads to suspicion, causing us to withhold care. Harvard psychologist Mina Sakara said that when you start fearing others, your circle of who you counted as friends is going to shrink. And that means those people outside of the bounds get less empathy, get fewer resources. When we put up walls and boundaries, we begin to dehumanize others and build on this culture of fear in our society and community. The author of Hebrews is saying that this is not the way of Jesus. Friendship for the other matters deeply. And so the Greek word for hosp- hospitality is beautiful. Philozenia. It is a compound word combining philos, a word meaning friend, and xenos, foreigner. We, so we get our word xenophobia from it, a fear of the other, a fear of other races or other outsiders. And hospitality is the opposite of xenophobia. Rather than fear or hate of the other, hospitality is replacing that fear with love for the other and the stranger. It means to love people who are different from you. But it's more than just being friendly, it is welcoming guests with warmth, openness, and authenticity that exceeds expectations. In ancient times, hotels were non existent and the inns had this reputation of being unsafe. It's not like today where you can just book a hotel or Airbnb on your phone. People who didn't, people also didn't really move around like they did today. And so the chances of you knowing someone else in a stopover town was really slim. slim. Travelers were dependent on local residents to provide lodging and offer hospitality. And so if you came to a city or a town, you would. Either come to the gate or the town and and just of the town and just you stay out the outside of the wall and some open space and wait for someone to come out and wait for them to invite you to stay with them. It's in this context that the church is called towards radical hospitality and inviting the traveling stranger in. Now, obviously, our cultural context is different where people can travel a lot more quickly and there are hotels accessible in almost every area of the country. What that means is we're going to have to consider what radical hospitality looks like today. Nobody wants to live in a society where xenophobia is not only expected, but encouraged. So we have to go beyond our limited view of what radical hospitality is. Hospitality is not just a friendly smile and small talk, but it's, oh, it's the posture of creating space, safe spaces for those on the outside. Hospitality is not just giving financial support or even serving meals to the hungry and vulnerable, but sitting down and sharing a meal with them. Radical hospitality calls us to be uncomfortable and to replace fear with love for the stranger. It calls us to, fe- to make others feel valued and seen. It is showing generosity to those who are far from home. Author Rosaria Butterfield says this, says hospitality is where we turn strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. And so we can take this history of the word hospitality even a step further. The English word for hospitality originates from the same Latin root as the word hospital. And so hospital is literally a home for strangers. Of course, it has, me- it has come to me in a place of healing. So there's a link between being welcomed and being healed. Hospitality is what our culture is craving, spaces of welcome where strangers, enemies, outsiders, and others can heal. Author Sky Jethani states that our homes are to, are to be hospitals, refuges of healing, radiating the light of heaven. And our dinner tables are to be operating tables, the place where broken souls are made whole again. When we lower our defenses, when we remove our facades and our peepholes, and we begin to be truly present with one another, then the healing power of the gospel can begin its work. People today are exhausted from having to perform and earn their way into community. And so when someone welcomes them in love, hearts and humanity are restored. What would it look like if we looked at our homes as hospitals? Radical hospitality is the call of the church especially in this epidemic of loneliness and culture of fear. I don't want to skip over the last two last part of verse 2 and so for by doing so for for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. The practice of hospitality is normally understood as a privilege extended to others, but the biblical writers believe that the hospitality as it's offered here is an offers a promise and gift to those who extend it. In the scriptures, angels are messengers who send words to warn or bring good news. By refusing hospitality, we may be shutting out the help and guidance of God. In other words, hospitality is a two-way gift. Hospitality not only allows us the privilege of blessing others, it also, it's, it's also God's gift of blessing to us. You don't know how many times I've met pe- with people where that encounter was more impactful to me. We can be encouraged or given, or be given a, a dose of reality that we need to hear. We're able to listen to someone who has a different background, who we previously labeled as an other, and it transforms our stereotypes. Prior to getting married, I lived in a house my parents owned and Jean already owned her own home. And so we decided to live at Jean's house. And so we left, I decided to leave my parents' house and it left a decision about what to do about the house that I've been living in, the extra furniture that I had. And as a credit to my parents, for decades, I've always had a posture of blessing other people who were in need at that house. My dad remembered that at Park Street Church, They were involved with finding houses, housing for Afghan refugees. And so we got connected. And right now there's a family from Afghanistan living there right now. And so when I heard their story of how their family got split apart and the mom and the other kids are still in Afghanistan trying to reunite with this family, it broke my heart. It opened my eyes to the reality of what the Afghan people have experienced when people are socially invisible, their needs and concerns are not acknowledged and no one even notices the injustices they suffer. So hospitality can begin a journey toward visibility and respect. Right? What would it look like if we reimagine our homes and tables as places for hospitality? Many Christians move to the city because they think the city needs them, but they don't know that they actually need the city. The diversity of the city, the socially, politically, culturally, socioeconomically, and, and racially has confronted so many stereotypes and prejudices in my heart that I didn't even know existed. See, when our homes have become places of healing, God is healing us too. Right? Chris Kandaya says this in his book, God is Stranger. Our biggest fear turned out to be our greatest opportunity. When we replace fear with love and create a space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy, we are also creating a space for God to transform both the guest and the host. The hospitality isn't only only central for the Christian life, it's integral to the nature and work of God. God's hospitality is the basis for our hospitality to one another. We can overcome our fears and love of the stranger if we remember we also were the stranger. In the story of redemption, we are the strangers. We are the outsiders. We are the other. Ever since humanity's expulsion from Eden, we are the restless travelers without a home seeking a place to belong. From the beginning though, God has sought to welcome us back. God's hospitality is extended to his lost, broken, needy, and often stigmatized people. This divine hospitality comes to us in the person of Jesus, the divine host who extends God's hospitality to sinners, outcasts, and strangers, and thereby draws them and us into friendship with God. God's embrace of humanity into friendship with him is the ultimate form of welcoming the stranger. God extended radical hospitality to me and you. In Ephesians 2, through 12, Paul says this, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Remember that we were separate, excluded Foreigners and hopeless. When we remember and understand our own story, it leads us to include others. And for this reason, hospitality is a central part of the gospel and the way Jesus formed this new community, He called the church. As Jesus began His earthly ministry, He steps into the synagogue in Nazareth, then reads from Isaiah. Right, the mission statement of Jesus in Luke four eighteen through nineteen ends with, "To proclaim the year of the Lord's." favor. Favor could be easily translated as welcome, right? So Jesus' mission is to proclaim the year of the Lord's welcome. Pastor John Tyson says this, Jesus' kingdom is the kind of kingdom where enemies are invited, loved, forgiven, justified, sanctified, and made sons and daughters of God. They then join God in his mission of extending that radical love of enemies to the world. In the book of Acts, the table was the center point of the church. It wasn't the stage or the pulpit. Hospitality was the primary way that the gospel spread at such a rapid pace. The history of the church is around the table. And so for hundreds of years, this is where the people of Jesus met. The gospel spread from one table to the next, from one home to another. Hospitality is central to the way of Jesus. Again, author Rosaria Butterfield, she says this, Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors, they seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with the house key. What would it look like for us to recapture this rich tradition of hospitality as a way of life? What would it look like if reunion became a community that was marked by hospitality? The beauty of hospitality is that we all can participate, right? There's a, see, there's a difference when we, between hospitality entertaining, right? When we think of hospitality, we might think of something from like Pinterest or West Elm catalog, right? But if we but if we think we can show hospitality if we have matching cookware and furniture from room and board, we're missing the point. Hospitality isn't about a beautiful place settings, right? It's about setting a place for the marginalized to see the beauty of Christ. It's not about nice napkins and fancy furniture, but about welcoming people who feel they don't fit in. A coworker who's lonely, a, divorce, a divorcee, the widow or a person who just moved out from out of town and just making them feel like they are seen and they belong. The reason I'm sharing with you all right now is because of hospitality here at Reunion. If you don't know my story, I didn't get to Reunion because I got hired. I moved back to Boston about eight years ago, and I was experiencing some real brokenness in my life. And so I went out to check out some churches in the Boston area, but I didn't even really want to go to church. I ended up at Reunion and started checking it out but I would sit in the back and always leave early because I didn't really wanna to talk to anyone. No more time after hearing so many annoying announcements about joining a community group, I decided to check one out. And so the very first community group I checked out was Alex and Krista Mayfield's group. And I remember walking up those creaky stairs up to their third floor attic apartment in Somerville and nervously opened the door and was met with warmth from everyone in that group. I was shown hospitality. Not because they had the biggest apartment or the best snacks, but because it was a safe place for me to share my story and heal. It was there that reunion became home. Who knew that because of the simple act of hospitality of welcoming me into that group and making me feel like I belong, would set in motion where years later I'm here as the pastor inviting all of you to extend that same welcome to others. This is what we are capable of as a church community when we have a posture of hospitality and invest in others. By setting a table and sharing a meal or grabbing coffee, we provide the context for which people feel loved, where people feel heard, a place where God's spirit can move. The practice of eating and drinking is central to the kingdom of God. Something as, ordinary, as radical, or radically ordinary as setting a table, excuse me, can create space for people far from God to experience a father's warm welcome into his family. What if we were to reimagine our homes, not as a castle to hide in, but as an outpost for the kingdom of God? What would it look like for us to make room and space for others on a consistent basis? Right, We all eat and drink coffee, or most of us do. Just do what you are already doing and repurpose it. On your lunch break, take a coworker out to lunch. Grab coffee with someone you don't know very well. Go find someone to eat with after this gathering, especially those who sit in the back. Make extra food when you cook and invite a neighbor over. Hospitality isn't just about a dinner invitation with friends, but a daily posture. Hospitality is about ha- having a welcoming mentality towards someone you see as the other the stranger for going to continue the life giving healing ministry of Jesus must open our hearts and lives to create environments of welcome see in that community group that I was in yes it was Alice and Chris's apartment but every single person in that group played a part in welcoming me and showing me hospitality every person was a host to me the heart of the gospel means that we are to welcome people whom the world excludes. People who are different, people who are unconnected. When you make people, that, people like that feel welcome, when you make people feel like that feel included, you have God's spirit of hospitality. It's an attitude of the heart. Our culture is craving spaces of welcome where strangers, enemies, outsiders, and others can become for our friends. My dream for a reunion is that we would help people find their way back to God, one meal at a time. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for being a God of hospitality, a God who welcomes us, the wandering traveler who is trying to find our way back to home. I pray for a reunion that we would be a community that is marked by hospitality, and we would we would reimagine what it would look like to open our homes and our hearts to others. God, you know there are people all around us that are craving a place to be seen and belong. May, may we remember our story so that we can welcome others in. In Jesus' name. Amen.